This morning I want to share with you, a, and the title is this, it's Remembering the Sacrifice. And uh, you know, as I was praying and just thinking about this weekend and it being Memorial Day and all those, I began to think, you know, I, I, uh, really both of my grandfathers uh, served in World War II. And uh, I had one in the Army, one in the Navy, and then uh, Dare's, uh, one of Dare's grandfathers actually flew over Normandy. And, uh, you know, so he was actually a gunner which was kind of cool to hear him tell stories about it and just kind of all those things. And obviously Memorial Day is really we're honoring those who have paid the ultimate price, not just everyone who has served, but those who have really laid down their life and given their life so that others could live. And uh, we get to enjoy the freedoms in this nation. Uh, You know, we live in the United States, and if you've never been outside of this nation, you have no idea how good you have it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've been to... All kinds of nations. I've been to lots of places. And, you know, one thing I can tell you is we've got it really good. Uh, Do we have problems? Absolutely. Do I wish some things were different? Absolutely. But we enjoy freedoms. But that freedom was not free. And we hear that, you know, statement made many times. But there's absolute truth for that, even for us as Americans. Is that people have paid an ultimate price. Um, you know, for us to have these freedoms. And so, you know, even in light of what we're honoring this weekend as a nation, or really tomorrow, um, you know, the question that I had in my heart that kind of stirred up this message was, how do you honor those who have paid the ultimate price for us to have freedom? Have you ever thought about this, even as Americans? Like, how do we honor that? You know, I mean, it's like thank you is not really enough. I mean, if I could meet somebody, you know, and have a conversation with somebody whose maybe grandfather was killed. I mean, my grandfather uh, was actually on a ship that was hit by a Japanese torpedo. They were a day out of Pearl Harbor. So my grandfather was a day away from being a victim. And he was one of, and his ship, you know, ultimately he was one of 200 survivors on his ship. You know, in a a large... um, carrier, I think it was actually a destroyer, it was the USS Franklin he was on. And they limped it all the way back to the United States. And so, uh, you know, but he was one of just, so my grandfather could have very easily, Dare's grandfather, as I was just talking about, he was in Normandy. He was a gunner and he would tell us stories of hearing bullets flying through the plane. And he, you know those old bombers that had the glass bulb? He was sitting in that glass bulb, shooting, over, flying over Normandy. Well, how easily that could have been her grandfather. Here's the cool thing about that story. We asked him, we were like, what were you thinking during that moment? He was like, well, I was young. And he said, but he kept whistling a hymn saying, God would take care of me. God would take care of me. You know, and that was kind of, he was like, you know, I didn't think a whole lot of it in the moment. I was just kind of overwhelmed, if you will. But he was like, that's what I knew is that God would take care of me. And yet, so, but this idea though of how do you properly honor those who have lost their lives for our freedom? I believe that number one, one of the ways that we honor is this, is that we never um, take for granted our freedoms. And that's easy to do because we just have them. We don't realize many times the price that's been paid for us to go to work, to have a job, like that we get to make money and we get to come home and do what we want and spend our money where we want, kind of how we want, and all these types of things. And yet people, and and so I believe that that we can't take it for granted. And I believe that many times that it can be just because it's so far removed from home. Now, I mean, the the greatest thing that in my lifetime would be 9-11. And everybody got real patriotic after that. Why? Because they realized that, hey, there's 
Like our freedoms are being infringed and really being threatened in this moment. All of a sudden everybody wanted to rise up and it didn't matter which side of the aisle you were on. It's like, let's go to war. We're going to go find a, we're going to pick a fight. You know, we got Braveheart all of a sudden in us. Where are you going? I'm going to pick a fight. Like somebody has, has affected us. And yet in that moment, all of a sudden I remember, I mean, I remember exactly where I was. And I'm sure every one of you do. You probably remember the moment where you were at when you heard the news that something had happened in New York. And it was like time stood still. You know, and what happened is that we realized is that our freedom wasn't as free as we had maybe thought or perceived it to be. Because in my lifetime, other than the Gulf War in the early 90s, it was really kind of the first time uh, we had really been at any type of war in my lifetime that I was old enough to remember. But I believe that we can't take our freedoms for granted. And the word, uh, that phrase even, take for granted, would mean, means this, means to underestimate or to undervalue someone or something. It also means to not properly recognize or appreciate. To not properly recognize and appreciate. And so, uh, so I believe that there is one side of freedom, and you'll understand where I'm going with this here in a few moments, but how do we really honor those who have given us our, and paid the price so that we can be free? We don't take it for granted. We don't forget. Somebody else gave their life so that I could live in freedom, so that you can live in freedom. The second side of that is... I. Enjoy my freedom. I don't take it for granted, but I also recognize that I have freedom and freedom is meant to be enjoyed. It's not just something that, you know, well, you know, no big, no, go and enjoy. It's like what Lita was talking about, you know, even uh, there before that. It's like, you know, happy Memorial Day. And it's like, well, not, it's like you're conflicted. It's like, yes, but no, but yes, because I have freedom because somebody paid the price. For me to have freedom. So I should celebrate that. And in celebrating that, I'm honoring that. And so I shouldn't apologize for it either. And some people would try to teach us that, hey, we need to, you know, back off. Well, I don't want to back off. Somebody paid dearly, you know, for that. You know, and even as, I've, as I was praying and just kind of thinking about this this week and really uh, what the Lord would have me share with you, I begin. To, I mean, I think it, I've never really thought of it this way, but the Lord just began to, as I was thinking about honoring, and I began to think about, well, you know, I mean, the Bible just is in the way that soldiers put themselves in harm's way so that we wouldn't have to do that. I mean, somebody else stood in our place, so Jesus stood in our place. He put himself in harm's way for us. And so in the same way of how do you honor the sacrifice of Jesus, I believe that the principles are the exact same. Number one, you don't take it for granted. What happens when you take freedom for granted, you lose it. And that applies naturally, that also applies spiritually. We see this in the, in the life of the children of Israel over and over and over again. They took for granted the hand of God that would deliver them and they would go right back into captivity. Even as new covenant believers today... We can take for granted the freedoms that we have in Christ and walk right back into bondage. I mean, we can. Willingly, freely. Because why? Because we are a free moral agent. In other words, what does that mean? God gave you a mind to make decisions with. God gave me a mind to make decisions with. And so we make choices. So how do I honor Christ and his sacrifice for me so that I can honor him? I believe it's the exact same way. Number one, don't take it for granted. And number two, enjoy the freedom that I have. Enjoy the freedom that you've been given in Christ. 
Why? Because what the soldier did in a natural, physical way, Christ did for us in a soulish and spiritual way. That also does affect our natural. But just as they have given their life, the soldiers have at times, so that we could have natural, if you want to call it this, national freedoms, Christ came so that we could be spiritually alive. He died so that we can be alive. Not just one day when I get to heaven or man, I got saved and my, my heaven card's punched and I got my, my membership card that, hey, I'm, I'm a part of a church. And, no, I mean like there's real life to be lived. And, uh, you know, and the Bible talks about this. And so I believe that there are things that we need to look at and really to assess. And, and some of this will be pretty foundational, if you will. But again, if you're not paying attention, the freedoms that you have can be lost. There are things that God has worked in your life that given time and no attention, the enemy will come back in to steal them from you. Things that, that you know, I mean, maybe God had healed your body years ago. Well, if I'm still not paying attention, I can get symptoms in my body that will speak differently. Even though God has healed me in the past, I could actually lose the confidence that God would do it again. Even though the word of God says over and over and over and over again, that's who he is and that's what he wants to do. You may be at a place where, you know, you're, you're facing a moment where you need God to really come through and to see a breakthrough in your life. And God's done that for you before, maybe repeatedly. But now there's the thought of, well, w- w- would, he, would he do it again? Is this different? You know, is somehow is God not going to come through for me this time? And so I believe that it's important that we see in Scripture what the promises of God are for us. Now, this is not an exhaustive, extensive list. But I'm going to give you, towards the end, I'm going to give you four specific areas that I believe that we need to be mindful of and reminded of. Because it will affect the way that we live day to day. So I want to share a few verses with you before we get to those, though. The first one comes out of Luke chapter 4 in verse 18. This is a a messianic prophecy that comes out of Isaiah, but it's here in Luke chapter 4. Jesus stands up, grabs the scroll, which we don't quite get the significance, but this was a big deal. Because the only person who was supposed to do this was the Messiah. No one else was supposed to ever stand up and do this, what Jesus was about to do. And yet he stands up and he begins to, to read from the scroll of Isaiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, this is important for us to know, too, because Jesus didn't do all of this just because he was Jesus. He did it because the spirit was upon him, which means that, you know, that same spirit, the Bible says, lives in us today. So don't think, well, somehow this is just who Jesus is and it doesn't apply to us. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. To bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be free, and that the time of or the time of the Lord's favor has come. So Jesus lines out several things here that he says, and he gives us an example. In other words, really what he's saying is, here's my reason for coming. In another place, it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of darkness. That's his whole purpose. If you want to know why Jesus came, that was it. He, I mean... You can boil it all down to that simple statement. But he says, I've come to give good news to people who are poor. I've come to set people free who are captive. To heal people who are blind. People who can't see, they're going to see. Those who are oppressed or weighed down, that they could be set free. 
Jesus, his whole ministry was predicated on what? Freeing people. Freeing people who were bound by sin, who were bound by all kinds of things going on in their life. He said, I came to make a difference in your life. That's how I would say it today. Jesus didn't come just so that we could get saved and believe in God and be better people. He came to make a difference in our day-to-day life. Our all-the-time life. Not just, well, I prayed one time, God worked for me. Well, no. I I mean, I've been saved for over 20 years, and I still want to be changed. I still want God to work in me. I still believe that what God desires to do in me, the greatest things are still ahead of me, not behind me. So that's what I'm believing for, and I never want to just settle into, well, this is my life with God. This is as good as it's going to get. I want to live from a place of faith that says, God, you can do more. I believe that you can, you want to, and you're willing to do more in my life. And here, so every time I face a challenge, yes, I have freedoms. There's going to be challenge. Jesus said it. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But he says, hey, take heart. I have overcome. In other words, yeah, you're going to face some stuff. But look, I can help you get past anything that you face. And the enemy will come at times and try to get us to walk away and to give up and to let go of our hold on the freedoms that we have in Christ. And many times he's very subtle. But I also know this is that because and I've seen it in my own life and I know if it happens in me, I'm human just like you. It happens with you is that many times the enemy doesn't come in in one fell swoop and try to take things. He does it subtly, stealthily and over time we don't realize it, but we will let go of our freedoms. Not realizing that that's what happened. This is why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And I've had the Holy Spirit stir things up in me. And where what I would say like a light bulb moment. All of a sudden I come to my senses and realize something ain't right. You ever have one of those moments and the Holy Spirit just stirs up. It's like man where's my, where did my joy go? Where did my peace go? Like I don't know when it left but it ain't here. Like what happened? And the enemy comes in, and the Bible says he's very smooth. He's subtle. He just comes in little bit by little bit by little bit. And before long, we don't realize it, but we've actually gone back to bondage, even though the Bible says we can be free. But we have to, what? Cooperate with the Word of God. We have to, what? Remind ourselves. We have to honor the Word in our life. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that when the enemy comes in to try to take and to steal from us, the Holy Spirit will what? Prompt us. The Bible says he will what? Lead you and guide you into truth. That's his whole role. That's his whole goal for us. And so there's another verse that I want to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 starting in verse 16. I said I was going to stay calm. I'm not doing a good job so far. It's somewhat mellow, but not as much as I probably should be. I'll try to settle down. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Now Jesus is talking about, he's really contrasting the Old Testament and the New Testament here. Just for the sake of time, we're not going to read all of it. But he says in verse 16, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Okay, let me just take you back. Do you remember the moment before you met Jesus? Like maybe the day of, the day before. If you were like me, you were raised in church and you just thought everybody was crazy. You're like, what's wrong with these folks? Why are they singing? Why are they crying? Why are they all emotional about this? This doesn't make any sense to me. But when I got saved, everything changed. I was passionate about something that I didn't understand, but I knew something had happened on the inside of me. Nobody had to tell me that I was saved. 
I knew it in my heart, man. There was something. Had, my, my, it's like there was this thing on the inside of me that had come alive that I didn't even know was there. Well, that would be my spirit, man. And that's what happens. And, and so when he's talking about the veil, that's really what he's talking about. Is in the old covenant, all they knew about God was the Ten Commandments. That was really kind of their understanding. God would show up and act and do things, but really they knew the law. And the Bible here says that, that the law put a veil. In other words, they put a barrier between God and man. It did. That's what the law did. It, it was what? It was man's repeated failure over and over and over. And so people couldn't see God because all they could see was their failures. There was no grace. And so, but the Apostle Paul writes this, Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In verse 17, he says, For where the Spirit, or where the Lord, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That word freedom can also be translated as liberty. Now, we're not talking about in an American, like I'm free and I get to barbecue whenever I want kind of way. That's not what the scripture, what he's talking about is a freedom of heart, of mind, and of soul. I mean, like a, a real freedom where the enemy wants to uh, really block us in and hem us in. God says, look, I have come so that you can live in freedom. You know, over the last, whatever it's been, last month, I've been sharing with you out of um, John chapter 10, where it talks about hearing the voice of God. And, and you know, and just the, the, the idea is that we many times will quote verse 10, which is that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you would have life and have it to its fullest or to its utmost. Well, the whole point of that whole verse is this, is that you've got to learn how to hear from God. Because Jesus said in verse 9, if you'll follow me, I'll lead you into good pastures. And I've, we've spent a lot of time talking about that, so I don't want to re-preach that. But what's he really talking about? If, if you'll follow me, you'll, you'll follow freedom. You're going to stay in a place of living free. It doesn't mean that challenge doesn't come, but I'm not staying or, or going to accept that I just live a challenged life. All the time. No, I'm going to get victory in this area of my life. And I'm going to move forward. And I'm going to see God work on my behalf. And here he says, where the, For the Lord is a spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He goes on in verse 18. He says, So all of us who have had that veil removed, that, that space between us and God, can see and reflect the glory of God. You know, that's God's whole agenda in us getting saved. is so that we can now show his goodness to other people. I mean, the moment that we get saved, our life is no longer about us. The Bible says that we're not our own. We've been paid, our life has been bought with the precious blood of Christ. But the moment that we get saved, it's really not about us anymore. It's about reflecting the glory of God to other people. The second part of verse 18 says, And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Now I want to read this again. Because who does it says is doing the work? This is important. The Lord who is the Spirit makes us. It didn't say in our efforts. It didn't say in our abilities. It didn't say in all of our self-help culture that we have today. Let me go get another book about how to fix my problem. I haven't, look, I'm not against counselors. I'm not against getting help. I believe in all those things. But I, that shouldn't be where our hope and our faith rest. I mean, use a natural example. I believe that God is a divine healer. I still go to doctors sometimes. 
I'm not anti-doctors. But I'm also not saying, Doc, you got to fix me. No, I'm trusting God. That's where my faith is. That's where my hope is. And here, in much the same way, he says, the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him. Now, here's the thing, is that the way that this is translated can be somewhat misleading. God's not going to make you do anything. Just as we said about John 10, Jesus says, come and follow me and I'll, I'll make sure you're in a good place. You're in a good pasture. That's the way he said that. So we have to be a willing participant in this process that God is wanting to do and wanting to bring about in our lives. And so even as we remember the sacrifice of Christ, because as I said earlier, and I'll, re- I'll repeat it again, is that freedom isn't free. Something was paid so that we can now be in right relationship with God. And I want to live a life, my whole life, all of my life, every part of my life, in a way that brings honor and glory to my Savior. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect because I'm far from it. But I want to have as my goal, it's like what Paul said, I have a goal and I'm pressing, I'm pushing, I'm running after that one thing is I want to get a hold of him. That's my goal in this life. And, and so we ought to have this desire to see God do more in our life. I don't want to be the same person next year that I am today. I remember years ago somebody told me, or I was in my, I think I was, I was like maybe early 30s or maybe even my late 20s I don't remember but I remember we got to talk and I was like man you know we were just kind of talking about ourselves and we were just talking about how you know when I look back when I was a teenager I was like man I was stupid you know but then I look back a few more years and I'm like man in my 20s I didn't know anything either and then as I've gotten to my 30s I'm like man I really didn't have much figured out in my 20s now I'm getting ready to approach 40 you know and so now i'm thinking every time i hit one of these milestones i want to look back and be like man 10 years ago i didn't know jack either why because that's not an insult what that speaks to is growth and if i ever get to a point if i'm 60 and i'm like i had it all figured out at 50 that's not a good place to be what that tells me is i quit growing i never want that to be said of me i never want to say that about myself i hope if i'm 90 I'm like, man, I've seen the best parts of God that I've ever seen in my 80s. I don't want to settle and just say, well, this is good enough. Well, God, you've been so faithful and this is so good. And man, you've set me free of of areas of my life that were really holding me back. Why not believe God for more? I mean, if God is freedom, why not believe for more freedom? I mean, why not? Why not say, are there areas of my life that I'm blinded to? That I don't even realize that the enemy has has held me captive in? That I'm not even aware of? God, open my eyes so that I can see where the devil's getting an advantage on me. Because what I want to do is I want to make sure that I got freedom working in all kinds of areas of my life. And are there areas of my life that maybe I've not been paying attention to that I should have been? That the enemy has crept back in. That I need to chase him back out. And so, you know, as believers, man, we want to live in freedom. That's the way we honor Christ. Let me say it this way. Is that the way that we honor the sacrifice of Christ is by not tolerating the enemy in our life. A lot of times we put up with stuff that Christ would not want us to put up with. I mean, I'm sick in my body. Jesus says, I got scars on my back. 
I was beaten so that you could. I think Jesus might have a, take a little exception to us accepting things in our life. Why? Because he paid ultimately for those things. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, it, it, you know, it would be like somebody buying you a car and you'd be like, I don't want to drive it. If I bought you a car, you're going to drive it. I just tell you. I just tell you. Get in the car. You know, I mean, why? Because I paid for it. I mean, it's like when my wife doesn't answer her cell phone. And I'm like, baby, I pay for a phone. Amen. I pay for that phone so you will answer the phone. I'll hear about this later. It's okay. She ain't coming down the hallway this time. Last time I did that, she walked in and was like, oh. But, but I mean, have you ever bought something for somebody and then not use it? Or not enjoy it? I mean, well, I didn't want to mess it up. I bought it for you to enjoy it. I gave you a gift. I mean, it's frustrating when you buy somebody a gift and they don't use it. They don't enjoy it. Well, Jesus has made way for us to have some real freedoms. Not just in our physical, not even just in our spirit, although he did. Even in our mind, our will, our emotions, our soul. Many times people are, you know, I mean, they love God. They, they want to see God work in their life, but man, they, they're still battling mentally with things, emotionally with things. There's scars in their past and, and there's strongholds in their mind. I mean, you know, Paul wrote and said that we are to tear down every stronghold of the enemy. That it would exalt itself against what? The knowledge of Christ. Anything in our mind that does not agree with Scripture, Paul says, you need to go in there and tear it down. I mean, you know, I'm not a gardener, and I, but I hate weeds. Weeds drive me crazy. I'm like, somebody needs to invent something that just kills all weeds. Matt, you work on that. Just something that just kills all weeds. Won't kill my grass, won't kill the stuff I want to stay alive, just kills weeds. You know, I'm sure there's, you'd be a multi-billionaire if you could probably develop that, but but we have to, as believers, take more of an aggressive stance if we are to experience freedom, like full freedom. It's not passive, it's active. It's not passive, we have to be active in our pursuit of what God has for us. See, Jesus didn't die just so that we, didn't, so that we had, wouldn't have or that we would have just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Do this, do this, don't do that, don't touch this, don't talk like that, don't act like this, don't, don't think about this, don't that, blah, blah, blah. That is not what Jesus died for. And yet, many people reduce it to that. That's not at all what he died for. He came so that we could have an entirely new life. Not like an upgraded version of the old one. You know, it's not like getting a new phone where you're like, ah, it's a little better, it's a little bigger, it's a little faster. Ah, it's all right. Get a new car and you're like, eh, well, you know, it's nicer, but still gets me to and from work and to home and lets me run my errands. And we're not talking about like a, a kind of an upgrade. I mean something entirely new, something that never before existed. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, behold, anyone who's a new creation in Christ is a new creation, something that's never before existed. No, Christ came so that we could have a, an abundant life that's fully surrendered to him. 
fully surrendered to him. Now, this asked, I have to ask the question, can you be fully surrendered to God if we have areas of our life that technically the enemy is in control of? I'll say it again. Can we fully surrender our hearts and our lives to God if we have areas of our heart, areas in our soul, in our mind, that we, that really, let me say it this way, it's enemy-occupied territory. Yeah. And we hear that in the news a lot right now because of what all's going on with Israel. You got people who are squatting on land that ain't theirs. That's really what that means. So the enemy is occupying space, maybe in your thought life. Well, how do you kick him out? How, how do you evict him so that Christ can rule in that area of your mind, that area of your thought life. You have to go in and what? Tear down all those strongholds. Now, you're like, well, how do I do that? Number one, it's through the word of God. Romans chapter 12 says that we need to renew our minds with the word of God. We need to renew our minds. In other words, we need to replace thoughts that aren't in line with what God says with thoughts that are what God says. So we have to be in that place. We have to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. In other words, we have to be listening. That's what we talked about for the last month is hearing God's voice speak to us because it's the only way that we can actually maintain freedom in our life is that the enemy, I mean, I'm sorry, that the Lord can help lead us into those areas where the enemy is occupying space that's not him. He's trespassing. He's not supposed to be there, but, you know, I was just down in Lake Charles and um, there at Pastor John's church, and I had noticed there's a field kind of to the side of their church. And I could tell where they had come through and cut out a bunch of trees or bushes or something. But I wasn't quite sure what, because I, I mean, I was down there in December, whenever it was. And I had never noticed it, but I was just like, y'all been doing some work over there? And he's like, well, we don't actually own that land. He said, but um, because of, you know, storms and hurricanes and different things, they've kind of had an influx of homeless people. People were living in the bushes, like Next to the church. Like they just set up their house. Well, you know, well, they called the guy who owns the land and they said, hey, we just, you know, didn't know if you knew or if you cared, but uh, you got some people squatting on your land. You want to know what his, his solution was? He didn't go down there and ask them to leave. He just sent somebody out there and they started cutting bushes down. They just cleared the land of all where the underbrush was. Well, in much the same way, we can treat the enemy like that. We don't, we don't have to go beg him to leave. We don't have to ask his permission. Hey, when would it be convenient for you? If you don't mind, would you please just leave me alone? No, the Bible says that we have the authority of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior that says, devil, you're trespassing. You have no right. You have no place. And I command you in the name of Jesus, you have to leave. And you can speak to specific areas of your life, thought, thought patterns and ways that you think. And I'm not telling you to do anything that I've not had to do and that I don't have to do. But I speak out loud to areas of my life. It's not like, you know, I remember when I was in high school, I went to a Christian school for a couple of years. This was actually before I was even living for the Lord. But I always thought it was the craziest thing people would say, I have an unspoken prayer request. You're going to have to speak what you want. You're going to have to say it. 
And you may have to get a little bit of, of, of uh, backbone to you. Spiritual backbone. Find out what the Word of God says about your specific situation. If you don't know, find somebody else who can help you. And get some scriptures that you can stand on and believe on. So let me give you these four areas of freedom that, I be, that are available to all of us today. And some of these are, you know, I mean, none of these are new information per se, but they may be for you. But uh, number one, area of freedom that I believe that we have to pay attention to is that we have been freed from the power of sin, which the Bible says leads to death. Now I'm going to give you several verses for each one of these. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 17, it says, For the sin of this one man being Adam, so in other words, Adam and Eve, the sin of Adam, which was eating the fruit, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph. I want to highlight that word. Will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and 7 says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So when you got saved, I mean, technically, water baptism is identification of the death of Christ. We're saying we identify with his death. He says, you've been crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Verse 14 of Romans 6 says this. He says, sin no longer is your master. For you are no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Amen. It does, look, let me say this. It doesn't mean that because we're free from the power of sin, we will never sin. That's just not, we live in an earth. We live in a fallen world and we still have a fallen body. Now, I don't have a fallen spirit, man. My spirit, man, your spirit, man, is alive unto God. Let me say this. Your spirit, man, is as saved as he's ever going to get. He can't get more saved than he is right now. It ain't going to happen. But our flesh ain't saved at all. There ain't nothing redeemed about our fleshly desires. That one day will be taken care of. But we do still have a mind, a will, and an emotions. It's our soul. And that can determine our experience in this life. We can either experience salvation or we can experience death. It's really our choice. I mean, if we're saved, God wants us to have freedom. But we can choose to live in darkness if we want. We can choose. Why? Because of the things that we tolerate, the things that we allow. Now, we're going to mess up. But, you know, I mean, you know, obviously I've got two babies at home. One toddler, one baby. Here's the difference. And I'm going to, this borderline kind of crude, but you'll get the example. It'll, it'll really help it stick. My son is pretty close to being three years old. He's still in diapers. We're, we're believing God. You can attach your faith with mine. <laughs> diapers have to go in Jesus' name. But, um, but this is, I believe, how many people view their mistakes and how God views them in their mistake. My son could use the bathroom in his pants, right? That's why he has a diaper. He poops in his pants. I don't go over to my son and berate him and say, you fool. 
How dare you do this? But yet, this is how we view God. We make a mistake, and this is how we think God treats us. I want you to sit down and sit in your mess and think about what you've done. That's how many people view God. You just sit there in that filth. You're nasty. That's what, that's what I tell my son when he poops in his... Yeah. I'm like, you're nasty, you know. <laughs> Trying to motivate him through sarcasm, you know. Of course, he just kind of laughs. He thinks it's funny. And I'm like, it's not funny, son. It's not funny. <laughs> but many people view God that way. Is that when we mess up, that somehow God is going to come in with a heavy hand and be like, look, you did it again. It's quite the opposite. God says, if you'll come to me, I'll change it. I'll clean you up. I'll, I'll wash you as white as snow. But the problem is the enemy has convinced us that God is still mad at us. And so we buy into that, not realizing that what? That, that yes, we may mess up, but the power of sin has been broken. In other words, if I will cooperate with the Holy Spirit, I can overcome any any shortcoming that I have in my life. And the same is true for you. There is nothing in my life that just has to stay that way. There is nothing in your life that has to just stay that way. Why? Because the power of sin. It didn't say that sin has been done away with. Sin is still sin. But the power of sin has been broken. That's what scripture says. Another area that I believe that God wants us to live in freedom in. That I see that is a right now thing. Is in the area of sickness and disease. I mean I just told you. Look I've had some sinus stuff going on this week. Why? Because I still live in a fallen world. But I do know the healer. I, I know what the Bible says about Jesus and about what he accomplished for me. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he says that Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin, we just looked at that, and live for what is right. He says, by his wounds we are healed. Other translations say, you were, past tense. That would be King James, New King James. Most translations actually don't say you are, they say you were. It's already a done deal. I'm not trying to get God to heal me. Jesus has already made healing available for me. Now I won't read this, but there's a parallel verse in Isaiah 53 verse 5. Romans 8.10 says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead will quicken or cause life to come into my physical mortal body. So the same power that raised Christ from death can heal your body today. I mean, if, if he can raise a man who's been dead for three days, I think he can help you out with whatever's going on in your body. Psalms 103, starting in verse 2 through verse for me, it says... Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. He forgives all of my sins and he heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and he crowns me with love and with tender mercies. So the first area of freedom is from the power of sin. The second one is that we can now live in a place of divine healing and divine health. I don't have to just accept, well, you know, I just get a cold all the time. No, I'm going to begin to believe God in those areas of my life. I'm not going to tolerate areas of my life. I'm going to be in faith. And you're like, yeah, but I've been believing God for a long time, so don't stop. I mean, there's lots of testimonies in this room of God healing people supernaturally. I mean, I've shared some of my stories. I was told when I was in college that I would have to have double reconstructive knee surgery on both of my knees. 
Well, I mean, I could barely walk, 19 years old. God completely healed me. Completely. I've never had a knee problem since. Never. That's been almost 20 years ago now. Never had one symptom again. Well, how do you explain that? I mean, Miss Mary had a tumor that just, she, they have proof, medical proof, if you will. She had a cancerous tumor. Gone. How do you explain that? Well, it's because Jesus is a healer. <laughs> That's how you explain that. I was watching a, sh- uh, a movie the other day, and I thought it was so funny. They were talking, and I don't even remember all the details. I won't go into it. But they were, a girl had, this young girl had had this crazy condition. She got healed. And, uh, you know, she asked the doctor, she said, and the mom asked the doctor, she said, how do you explain this? And I, I forgot the wording that he used. I can't remember. But it was like an abnormal phenomenon. Like, he just wouldn't say the word miracle. He was, but he, he was just like, it's an abnormality. Like, we know this is what she had. She fell 30 feet. She's fine. We don't know. Like, but he just, medically, he was like, I don't. Because she was like, medically, tell me what happened. Because she was like, really, and he was like, I got nothing for you. Well, it's because God still heals. He didn't stop healing the day Jesus went back to heaven. He was like, well, we're going to call a timeout on that healing business. I'll be back in a little while. Y'all just hold tight. No, he still heals. He still works. Another area that we have freedom from. So in other words, let me say it this way. Another area that we shouldn't tolerate in our life is in the area of fear. We have no reason to fear. We shouldn't tolerate fear. Doesn't mean that things don't come, but we shouldn't just allow it to hang out and linger. Romans 8.15 says... You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now you call him Abba, Father. I'm not afraid of God. I have no reason to be. The Bible says he's made peace with me. He's made peace with you in Christ. So I don't have to, to deal with fear. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We, we don't have this spirit of fear. Isaiah 12 verse 2 says, See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song, and he, is, or, and he has given me victory. The Lord is my salvation. He's come to save me. I trust in him. I don't need to be afraid. So I have no reason to allow the enemy to come in and try to assault me with fear and anxiety and all of these cares of life that will come. Why? Because I got something more important to be involved with. I don't have time to, to fear what may happen. I've shared this before, but fear is nothing more than a prophetic spirit that comes to take you into the future to show you something that you don't want. The problem is there's no, there's no it's trying to get you. That's why Jesus says, take care of today. Today's got enough worries for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll come. I'm not saying you don't plan. I'm not saying all those. But he's saying, look, don't live so much in the future, so afraid of what may happen tomorrow that you forget about living today. That would be the way I would paraphrase what Jesus said. Live today. Be present right now. Make sure that you're enjoying the freedom that Christ has made available for you today. Don't let fear come in and steal from you. The last area that I believe that we should never tolerate in the area of really in the area that Christ has made available for us to live in freedom is this one, is in the, in the realm of shame, guilt, and regret. See, here's what the devil does. He either wants you to get in fear to take you into the future to worry, 
or he wants to keep you in the past regretting things that you may have done. That way you're never living today. He wants you to be in the, past, in the future or the past. Just don't live today. Why? Because God has wants to do today. He said in his word, he said, my mercies are moved every, every morning. Every day, God says, I've got more for you today than I had for you yesterday. So the enemy wants you worrying about tomorrow, regretting yesterday. And many people never get past the shame of their past. And it's because they never realized that what Jesus did was absolutely thorough, complete, 100% finished. When he died for sin, he died for all. And it was enough. So I don't have to be ashamed of my past, my past decisions, my past mistakes, choices that I've made, whether I was saved or unsaved when I did it. Doesn't mean that I excuse it. I'm going to deal with the sin. But I'm not going to let the enemy come and and heap shame on me. I'm not going to live there. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Now, right now, in this moment. You want to know how close you are to having no condemnation? Lord, I'm sorry. I bring that under the lordship of Christ. I recognize I missed it there, but I'm going to ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit to help me to walk in new power and in new life in that area of my life. Not going to be perfect, but man, I'm trying. I'm putting some effort forth. Galatians chapter 2 verse 19. The apostle Paul writes and he says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. He says, So I died to the law. Some of you need to, to die to your law. It may not be the Ten Commandments, but you've got things in your mind that say, this is how I'm supposed to be. This is how I'm supposed to act. I should be further than I am. I mean, here's a, here's a trick of the enemy. He'll come to a believer and say, how long have you been saved? How long have you been saying Jesus is... You should be further along than you are right now. You should be more spiritually mature than you are. Because here's the thing, I believe on the inside of us, we all have an understanding and a longing in our heart that, that knows that God wants us to grow. God wants us to mature. Well, the enemy will jump on that, and now I'm like, you're not doing enough. You're not reading the Bible enough. You don't pray enough. Who do you think you are? Start heaping that. Hey, devil, I'm under no condemnation. I refuse to accept your gift that you call a gift, but it's condemnation. I'm going to live in freedom. I'm free to serve the one who died for me. Satan, you didn't die for me. Jesus died for me. So I'm going I'm to honor him by living in the freedom that he's provided for me. Paul continues and he says, I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. That I might live for God. Verse 20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live this life trusting in Christ. Realizing it's no longer I, but it's Christ living in me. It's the Spirit of God living on the inside of me. I'm not trying to become a better version. I'm going to cooperate with what God is wanting to do in me, producing his life in me. So that I can live in a way that brings honor and glory. Why? Because he is the one who loved me and gave himself for me. That's why I'm going to live for him. That's why I'm going to continue to press even when I'm tired. 
even when I'm kind of at my end and I'm like, God, man, this is tough and, and I'm frustrated. I'm just ready to throw in the towel and, and all that comes with that. No, I refuse to get condemned. I, I refuse. The Bible says in Proverbs, though the righteous fall, they will get back up. We're all going to fall. And sometimes our falls are a little more spectacular than other falls. And we might need some people to come around us and to love us and to pray for us and to believe with us and to help us get back up. Other times you just fall and you just kind of get back up. You're like, anybody see that? You ever do that? Walk in the store and you trip and you're like, anybody watching? <laughs> you know, you hope not. But then there's other times that it's, it's bad. And we need people who can lovingly come around us and pray and believe God with us and, and speak God's destiny and God's hope into our life. We all need that. Let me add to that. We all need to be that. We need to be those people that come around those who have fallen. Those who are hurting. Those who are done. And to say, no, you're not, you're not dying here. It's one thing I love about our military. No man left behind. We're going to go get our guys. Uh, I think that's the way the church ought to be. We're not okay to be like, oh, well, they just fell away. Well, what do we do about it? You know, I mean, we ought to be those that come around just as, as it says here. It says that I live for Christ because he's the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, what would Jesus do? I mean, you remember years ago he had the little bracelets. What would Jesus do? You know, we've been singing that song, Reckless Love, and it talks about that he leaves the 99 to go after the one. That's what Jesus would do. He would look for those who have fallen and go and help them. That's part of who we are as believers. So I'll recap these four for you real quick. The areas of freedom that are available to all of us right now. But it may require some cooperation on our part with the Word of God, with the Holy Spirit in our lives. The first one is, is that sin has no power in your life. Now, you may think it does. Scripturally, it doesn't. The power of sin has been broken. The power of sickness and disease have been broken. We now have freedom to live in divine healing and divine health. The power of fear in our lives. It's a trespasser. It has no right in your mind, no, no right in your thoughts. Jesus came so that we could live in peace. He said, look, I'm going to give you my peace. Not just a peace. He said, I'm giving you my peace. The last one is, we no longer have to deal with shame and guilt and regret. I don't have to live in tomorrow and I don't have to live in yesterday. I don't have to. My sins, whatever they are, they're covered. That's what I know. They're covered by the blood of Christ. And his blood speaks of better things for us. It speaks of forgiveness. So, you know, I asked you in the beginning this morning is, how do we honor Christ's sacrifice? We don't take it for granted. Number one. And number two is we enjoy the freedom in which he's provided for us. And we do that by cooperating with the word of God. You're like, well, I don't even know what that means. Go find you some scriptures. Go find you some scriptures to stand on. Begin to speak them into your life, over your life. Make them a confession. Father, I thank you today. I got a lot of stuff going on. Fear is going to try to come to me, but I'm not taking it today. I've not been given a spirit of fear. So would you stand with me this morning?